part two of preparing for promotion is this. Be progressive. Be progressive. Be, be progressive. Anyway, and so David, David didn't just wake up one day and skill automatically occurred. He didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to be a skilled musician. I want to be great at this. He had to grow. He had to study. He had to learn. And here's something so cool. There wasn't even a position There wasn't a position at the palace for somebody. God opened up a position. God created a position in the palace for David to get promoted from the shepherd's fields to the palace. We think David made it because of Goliath. That was part of it, but the first way that David got to the next level of promotion was because of the skill he had in playing the harp. There were two things in that season of David's life that he worked hard on. It was playing the harp and it was slinging a rock with a slingshot. Those two things is what got him to the next level. David knew he was anointed to be king, but he wasn't practicing politics. He wasn't practicing leading an army. He knew for this season where God has me right now, there's only two things I'm working on. I'm going to be the best harpist I can be, and I'm going to be the best slingshot thrower that I can possibly be. Those two things is what got him to the next level. See, we do this thing in life where we have 10 things we're trying to work on, trying to break this bad habit, fix this in our life, climb up higher here. And if you do that, you're going to feel like a failure. And even if you're good at it, you'll be good at 10 different things when God's called you to be great at one or two or maybe three things. David grew, he studied, he learned, and he got promoted. A position opened up because he was skilled, not mediocre. God did not create a position for somebody who just had half of a heart and just wanting giving it their all and just thought, oh, I'll just kind of do okay. I'm as good as this person, so I don't need to practice anymore. He found somebody that grew, that studied, and that got better and better and better through learning. And here's what I want to show you today. I read that CEOs all over the world are looking for three things when they promote somebody. And these three things are also what they're looking for whenever they have to let people go and demote somebody. In other words, if they don't have these three things, they're demoted. If they do, they're promoted. We're going to talk about the next two things for the next two weeks. But today, number one was this. They're looking for someone who is always progressing. Someone who's always learning. Someone who knows they don't know it all. Someone who realizes for this season, at this position I'm in, I'm going to be the best possible whatever. I'm going to be the best teacher I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best plumber I can possibly be. The best roofer, the best musician, the best singer. I'm not going to stop learning. I'm not going to stop practicing. I'm not going to stop asking questions. I'm going to read books. I'm going to put myself in places where I can grow in this particular area because I know God's looking for someone who is skilled if he's going to promote them. Our life is like a car. We have a forward gear, a reverse gear, and a neutral gear. Now, when we're in reverse, I believe the devil doesn't even come after us because we're destroying our own life by always focusing on the past and what we did wrong yesterday and who hurt us last week. In the forward gear, the devil will attack us, but he can't touch us because we have God's favor because we're putting ourselves in places where we're growing, where we're gaining, where we're learning. But it's whenever we get in neutral, I believe that the devil always attacks and wins. In other words, it's in Proverbs 132, complacency destroys the prosperity of people. Here's what that means. Whatever area you're prospering in today, in your marriage, in your finances, in your business, as a parent, whatever it is, the minute you decide to put that area of your life in neutral and you think you don't need to know anymore, you don't need to learn anymore, you've kind of arrived in that area, the enemy will always look to try to destroy you. Will Rogers said this, even if you're on the right track, If you sit down, you'll eventually get run over. Um, Before Abraham was Abram, his father, Terah, 
heard from God. And God called Terah. He said, get your son Abram, your family, and I want you to go to the land of Canaan, a land that I'm going to show you, the promised land. I want to promote you. I want to take you to the next level. I want to do great things in your life. Leave where you're at. Step out in faith, and I'm going to direct you to this place that's this flowing with milk and honey. Everything you desire is going to be in this place. And so in Genesis 11:31, Terah obeyed. He took his son Abram. He set out for the land of Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they settled there. For some reason, it was too difficult to go further. He was excited at first. Everything's going to be great. But when they got halfway to the promised land, they stopped. He thought, it's not the promised land, but at least it's good enough. I'm not the greatest employee. I'm not the greatest boss. I'm not the greatest musician. I'm not the greatest parent. But you know what? I'm okay, so I can settle right here where I'm at. The problem with that is in verse 32, Terah died in Haran. Wherever you settle is where you're going to die. Whatever area of your life you decided to settle in, that's the exact location you will be whenever the day comes that you actually die. If you decide to settle right where you're at as as, as a spouse, you don't think I have nothing else to learn, I'm the best spouse in the world, or you think I've made so many mistakes it doesn't even matter if I try anymore, whatever it is, that area of your life, if you choose to settle, you will be dead one day at that same level. Wherever you settle is where you're going to die. And listen, Terah, he started off exciting just like we do. We hear from God. We're excited. We're going to go to the promised land. God wants to do great things in our life. Whenever we start off as parents, we're going to be the greatest parents in the world. I mean, the best. And then your 13-year-old child gets in trouble with the law, and we are the worst parents in the world. We quit. We give up. There's nothing more we can do. When you get married, we're going to have the greatest marriage ever. And then after time, you start treating each other as roommates and things happen. And you start just ignoring the needs of each other and you end up divorced. And you think, I'm a failure. Why even try again? In business, you start your business. You're so excited. Things are going well. But then somehow the economy takes a turn or something negative happens or somebody steals from you. And you think, man, forget it. It's awful. I was so excited at one point. But then life occurred. And we all go through life. Life is when something bad happens. Life is when you make a poor choice. Life is when somebody hurts you. And it causes us to settle in that particular area. I love the point what Abraham did in Genesis 12, 5. He said it took his wife, he took his nephew, and everything they had in Haran, and they went to the land of Canaan. He thought, you know what? I'm not going to settle where mom and dad did. I'm not going to just say, you know, good enough is good enough. I'm going to go all the way to where God wants me to go. You know this point, if we keep doing the same thing the same way, we're going to get the same results. I don't know why we think we're going to get promoted in some area that we're doing the exact same thing we've been doing for the past five years and we think that it's just going to automatically change. We think because we want it to change and we love Jesus that it'll change. Loving Jesus isn't enough to get promotion. If that were the case, we'd all be getting promoted. Uh, It's interesting, in the workplace, a lot of times you'll see a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim, and they're getting promoted, and you think, that's not fair, that's not right. Maybe they're always learning. Maybe they're always growing. Maybe they admit they don't know everything. Maybe they put themselves in a position to grow, to gain knowledge, to ask questions. If we keep doing the same thing the same way, we're going to get the same results. There's a famous cellist named Pablo Casis. Pablo Casis, when he was 12 years old, he had already accomplished things on the cello that no other cellist had ever accomplished on planet Earth. At the age of 85 years old, Pablo was still waking up early every morning and practicing for five hours before he even started his day. A reporter interviewed him when he was in his late 80s and said, how come you still practice? You're the greatest cellist in the world. 
Pablo smiled and he said, it's because I think I'm getting better. What he was saying was, I'm not trying to compete with everybody else. You might think I'm the best in the world, but I'm not yet the best that I can be in this particular area of my life. Your goal isn't to be a better parent than your neighbor, a better spouse than this person, to have a, a better business than this person. Your goal is to be the very best that you can be in the area that God's called you to grow in and be anointed, the area that God wants to promote you in. There's something we can suffer from emotionally called destination disease. Destination disease is whenever we get to a certain level in our life, like we pay off our house or we turn 50 years old or we graduate from college, whatever it is, and we kick back and we put our mind in neutral. When we were young, we had parents and coaches and teachers that pushed us to grow and learn. But when we become adults, we have to take responsibility for our own destiny. And God never created us to stop learning. He never created us to sit back and do nothing in life and just coast wherever that level is that we're at. Let me give you some personal examples, okay? Um, here at church, a position opened up for administrator a while back. And Trisha stepped up to the plate, but administering at a church isn't like it was in the 90s. Now, in this day and age, there's all kinds of media and technology and all kinds of things to do. And Trisha could have easily thrown in the towel and thought, man, this is too much for me. I'm not 16 years old again. But anytime something comes up with the iPads, that wasn't funny, with the iPads or the media or the emailing or the YouTube videos or the Facebook or all these things she does, you have no idea how many times she sat on the phone for hours and listened and asked questions and researched and found out how to do this. There's times she wanted to, remember when Moses broke the Ten Commandments? There's times she wanted to take some of these iPads and just break them over the altar and God, I can't, but she learns and she grows and she studies and she gets better and better and she realizes she's in a position that God's called her to be in so she's not going to give up and think I have nothing to learn. She knows there's more God wants her to do. Here in church, Linda Phillips is um, an incredible success in the area of real estate. And when she got to that level, she thought, I'm sure I could just stay here and coast the rest of my life. But she didn't. She went further and started taking classes on negotiating. And I got to hear her in action a while ago, and I have never in my life heard somebody communicate with somebody else to pull two people together like I heard her do. It was amazing the way her voice tones were, the vocabulary she used. I was blown away. She took these classes as a negotiator. She's a master negotiator, which shows why she helps Randy so much. And so what's interesting is, is there's only three people in the entire universe. It's actually Ori County, but when I tell the story, it's the universe who can do what she can do as a negotiator. She, thought, she could have thought, listen, I'm not you know, in high school anymore. I don't have to learn anymore. But she didn't. She took this area of her life that she know God's called her to grow in, and she keeps going forward. So many people in life just rest wherever they're at. They stay where they're at and they never see any progress and they think God needs to change, but God doesn't need to change. We need to change. Proverbs 13, 4 says, the soul of the sluggard desireth and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent is rewarded. Here's what that means. Lazy people wish. Lazy people wish I had a better marriage. I wish I knew more about the Bible. I wish I could make more money. I wish I had this talent. I wish I could play the piano. I wish they'd let me sing. I wish they'd let me play out on the field. I wish they'd see if I could be the quarterback. I wish, I wish, I wish. But they're lazy and they have nothing to show. But those that are diligent, those that work hard, those that always progress, those are the ones who are rewarded in life. Could it be Every area of our life that we're not getting promoted in is the same areas that we have gotten lazy in. Could that be the cause? 
I heard about this uh, true story. This college professor was in his class and he was passing out the final exam. It was the biggest test of the entire year. And all the students were very, very nervous. Before he passed it out, he told his class, said, listen, I'm going to make y'all an offer. Y'all did such a good job this semester. Everyone in here who wants an automatic C plus on the test, you don't have to take the test and you can get up and leave. Man, one hand went up, another hand went up, another hand, till over half the class opted out of taking the final exam. They were so happy to leave that day with an automatic C+. After they left, the students that were still inside the room, the professor passed out the test face down. He said, don't turn the test over until I tell you. Then he started to encourage the group. He said, listen, you guys, y'all are going to do great things in life. Y'all are going to soar in this world. Y'all are going to be inventors. Y'all are going to be CEOs. Y'all are going to do great things. And even when you fail, I believe y'all will just get back up and keep on going forward. He then told them to turn over the test. And on that piece of paper, there were two short phrases that said, congratulations, you just made an A. You know, that's what we do in life. We get to a certain level, we think, you know what? C plus, it's not an F, it's not an A, but it's good enough. I'm a good enough plumber. I'm a good enough electrician. I'm a good enough ministry leader. I'm a good enough singer. I'm a good enough writer. When God has more in store for us, we sit back and settle for the C plus. Promotions don't come by taking the easy route. No promotion in life will come your way if you're always taking the easy way out. You got to stretch yourself. There's more potential on the inside. Just because you haven't yet tapped into it doesn't mean it's not in there. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Do you see a man who is skilled in his job? He will stand before kings. God's looking for skill. So here's the application for today, okay? So far in the sermon, you've heard about how you need to progress, how you need to put yourself in a place to go further. And it's easy for us to think that a lot of times uh, we're failures because we haven't succeeded or we're not skilled or whatever. So what we can do is a lot of times we try to be good in 10 different areas. I want to grow here and grow here and grow here and grow here. And, grow. and all that does is spread ourselves so thin that we end up failing at some things and being mediocre at other things. And so I'm going to make this very, very, very easy for you. Easy, enjoyable, and effective for you to always progress and get promoted in life, okay? First, you need to choose the two or three major things that God wants you to focus on in this season of your life. It may be in your marriage, maybe at work, maybe here at church, the calling God has on your life, whatever it is, just pick two or three. David became skilled at the harp because he wasn't trying to be a good bass player, a good piano player, a good trumpet, a good saxophone, good singer, good all, all, all these kind of things. He chose one thing, and then when it came to the slingshot, same thing. He didn't try to practice the, the bow and arrow. He didn't practice the spear or the sword. It was the slingshot over and over and over again. And God did not supernaturally cause the rock to leave the sling and hit Goliath in the one place he didn't have armor. It was the skill that David had that caused that to happen. God opened the door for David, but David stepped out in faith and used his skill, okay? So there's two things I'm going to show you that I promise you, I promise you, if you do this, not only will it change your life, but I promise you, you will receive promotion, okay? I promise. Number one is this. Every six months, ask the question, how can I improve? Now listen, don't ask it to yourself. Ask the person that's over you. 
I guarantee you, you will find favor at your workplace. I guarantee you, you will get promoted if you will go to your boss once every six months and ask your boss, what can I do to make this company better? What can I do to be a better employee? How can I better serve you? What's something I can change in? Some of y'all, you're trying all these things to win your boss's heart and to want them to see how hard you work and all these things. And it could be you're doing 10 things your boss don't care about and there's just one thing your boss wants you to do is just, maybe if they're your boss, just get to work 15 minutes early. Man, if you heard that, you could put all your effort in that one little thing and you would grow and get promoted and all these other things just come along the way. Ask the person over you, what's one thing I can do to better myself in this area? I want to get better at this workplace. What can I do? Um, you ask this with your spouse or the people you're in a relationship with. Ask us, what's one thing I can do to be a better spouse? You might be trying five different things, and there's just one thing your spouse is waiting and needing and wanting, or your friend or whoever you're in a relationship with. What's one thing I can do in our relationship to be better? What's one thing? You're trying a hundred things, nothing seems to work. What's the one thing? Now, if this person is negative, don't ever go back to them again. Or you go to them and say, tell me three things that you love about me that I'm doing great and one thing I need to improve on. It says Proverbs 25, the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of wisdom will draw it out. Ask your coach on the play, your basketball coach, football coach, your teacher, what's the one thing I need to get better in? What's the one thing I need to work on? What's the one area I need to grow in? Uh, to make it more personal for you, my vocation is a pastor, but my main thing is uh, public speaking and um, training leaders. And so every month as a public speaker, I'll send some of my videos to other pastors and I'll ask them, I'll say, tell me what I can get better at. Am I talking too fast? Do I not get to my points quick enough? Am I not using my hands enough? Do I walk too much? What can I do to better myself in this area? Some of these pastors are kind of really quick to be a little negative. So I'll say, tell me three things you loved about the sermon and one thing I can do better. I set them up so that it doesn't destroy my heart while at the same time, I know I can get better. Um, I watch myself and listen to myself once a month. Um, I watch other, other speakers and the speakers I watch aren't always Christian. I watch comedians and see, you know, how did they uh, move across the stage? What were they doing? I've learned things over the years. I've gotten more skilled. If somebody's making noise or getting up over here, I'll walk over here to this side without even real, you know, just automatically happens. So people are faced this way. Um, I try not to say you, you, you. I say we. I bring myself into the sermon. These things are getting better. They're making me a better public speaker. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm always growing in this area. Um, a few years ago, I was trying to help a friend of mine who was a pastor who had a heart to, to, to speak and to preach, and he could write great sermons but he could not communicate them. He was very monotone, and he didn't stay on topic a lot of times. He'd kind of get off topic. And so I said to him, I said, um, man, I'd love to help you, you know, get better. There's a thing. And he said, well, my wife says I'm the best preacher in the world. And I said, well, everybody that's married to, you know, they all think they're the best preacher. I said, there's a few things we need to just, just get better on if you want to preach at my church. And I said, why don't you listen to yourself, watch yourself, and you tell me what you can do better. And God is my witness. He said this. He said, are you kidding? He said, I hate to watch myself preach. I can't stand to listen to my own sermons. I said, if you can't stand to listen to them, how do you think everybody else feels when they listen to them? The point is, is you can get better. Ask questions. When you ask questions, it means I don't know everything and you have wisdom that you can share that I need. Find somebody that's in a position that you want to be in and ask them, how did you get there? How did you make it to that place? Proverbs 18, 16 says a man's gift makes room for him 
and will bring him before great men. Not gifts, but your gift, your main area in this season of your life. This season of your life, it may be your stay-at-home mom, and that's the area to read and study and improve on. This season of your life, it may be the job you're at making minimum wage, but you get the best you can do at that place so that God can take you to the next level. Um, I read where these hundred or so sales associates all gathered for a big meeting here in Myrtle Beach. And, um, and the guy behind the, the podium was speaking to him, and he asked him, he said, how many of y'all in here know who the top three salespeople are in our entire region? And every single person raised their hand. We know exactly who these three people are. Then he asked them this question. How many of y'all have called them up and invited to take them out to lunch and asked them how they got to that level and not one single hand went up? This means that God has put people all around us that we can learn from, that we can grow from, that we can ask questions to. Number two, every six months, read a stinking book. Read something besides Facebook. Read something besides Instagram. Read something besides all these little things that take your attention span three seconds to do. Read a book from cover to cover in the area that you need to grow in. For uh, Hosea 4, 6, God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of, not a lack of shouting, not a lack of wishing, not a lack of coming to church. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I read that 50% of all Americans over the age of 21 will never read a book from cover to cover for the rest of their adult life. That is so sad. Let me tell you how you can grow in this area. And see, you might be doing 10 different things. Just apply these two things. Ask questions, read a book. If you sign up for a short group three times a year, that's three books you'll read a year. Not only will you share what God showed you, but you will get to hear what God showed other people about that book, and you'll gain even more wisdom. And in five years, that's 15 books, you will be a spiritual giant. Some of y'all need to put your, your Bible on the back of your toilet seat when you're on the, in the bathroom. Read one proverb. Honestly, you're not doing nothing else. You're playing on your phone. Read one proverb when you're in the bathroom. One proverb a day, and when negative things happen, you go over that proverb in your mind over and over and over again. Man, you would gain so much wisdom in just three months. The point is this. Our inspiration needs to be backed up by our perspiration. Don't just wish, don't just hope, you got to do. Um, Micah got an award at her workplace uh, last month. She got a big trophy for being the number one um, sales associate of all used, she sold more used cars than anybody at her dealership. It's a huge dealership, a big, big deal, the Honda place. And uh, what's interesting is she didn't get that award the first month or the second month or the third month or the fourth month or the fifth month. Here's why. You can't say, well, she's just a natural. She's just good at it. Even if that's the case, she's put herself in a position. She always talks to the number one salespeople there, always finds out what they're learning. She watches videos on a regular basis on how to be a better salesman. She got more and more and more skilled, and then promotion came. My friend Mark, who leads worship with us, um, he's already a very successful businessman, but him and I, we work out three times a week, and he's very, very encouraging, very encouraging, very strict, and very good as a trainer in the gym. He's nothing like he is in real life. Like in the gym, he's a totally different person. He's very encouraging. Anyway, and so, and so a few months ago, Mark said, um, he said, you know what, I think I'm going to be a personal trainer. 
I thought, well, that's weird. You're already incredibly successful in business. Now you want to be a personal trainer. Within two or three weeks, he started taking the test, doing the courses. He's acing the test every other day, acing them. He just last weekend got that little um, degree thingy where you can kiss people when they're choking. What's it called? <laughs> CPR, something like that. Yeah, whatever it is. And so he practices all the time. Anyway, and so, I'm <laughs> just, just kidding. Anyway, here's the point. Micah, you're never too young. Mark, you're never too Dorky. I was going to say dorky. But anyway, here's the point is, here's the point is, listen, no matter where you're at in life, you can go further. Don't let anybody ever make you settle where you're at. Don't let your education stop you. Don't let your amount of money in the bank stop you. Don't let what your parents did or didn't do for you stop you. You can go further than where you are today. Last story, and I'll let you go. In 2 Kings chapter 7, this evil army had surrounded God's people. And this evil army called the Syrian army, they cut off all the food and water supplies. In other words, what they did back then was, before they would attack, they would prevent anyone from coming out or into the city so that no more extra food or water could come in. So the people in the city, they would eventually start getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and they'd be easy prey for the enemy to come in and attack. So they cut off all the supplies, all the sources, and outside of the city, right outside the city, there were these four lepers. They had leprosy. And this, this evil army had surrounded them, you know, the whole thing. And so these four lepers were sitting there, and they were suffering from destination disease. They were suffering from, from not ever growing. They were suffering and thinking, you know what, I can't believe we're in this place. It doesn't seem like we're going to get any better. We're stuck in a rut in life. And as these four lepers sat there with nothing in the natural to hope for, one leper said something to the other three lepers that forever changed the course of their destiny. In verse 3, one leper, it sounds like a joke, what did one leper say to the other three lepers? He said, why sit we here until we die? He was saying, why sit here and do nothing? We know if we do nothing, then nothing's going to change. We might as well do something to see if we step out, if then God will come in and step out along with us. We can't stay here forever. If we do, we're going to die. Wherever we settle is where we're going to die. We're getting passed up for promotion. People are going further than us. They're enjoying their life. Good things are happening to them. Evidently, we need to do some changing. And so they did something very, very interesting. In verse 5, it says, they rose up and went to the Syrian camp. That's two special words in this scripture. They rose up. They decided to do something about the circumstances that were in their life. They had no hope in the natural. Life had knocked them down. Nobody was there to help them. But in spite of all these things that came against them, in spite of all the depressive spirit, in spite of all that happened to them in their past, in spite of their sickness and disease, they rose up and got out of that rut they were in and started marching toward the Syrian. I'm sure they thought, what in the world is this even going to do for us? This is crazy. But if we sit here, we know we're going to die here. We might as well get up and do something about it. In verse 7, the Lord made the Syrian army to hear horses, chariots, and a mighty army on the march, and they ran for their lives. When the four lepers, I can imagine, you know, with their eyes closed, maybe linking arms, and when they finally get there to this evil army, the army's gone, and their gold, silver, food, horses, chariots, tents, clothes, it's all sitting there just waiting on them. I love the fact that whenever they progressed, God impressed. 
When they got out of that rut they were in, when they decided to get out of that destination disease area and do something different with their life, God did something amazing in their life. The pain of change is temporary, but the pain of staying the same, it lasts forever. So I can promise you, just to make a very, very easy, applicable sermon, if you will simply ask your ministry team leader, ask your boss, ask your spouse, just say, hey, tell me one thing over these next six months that I can do better. And just this one thing, I promise you, promotion's in store. If you'll put yourself in a position to read, because we are what we read, read and learn and grow in one area every six months, again, the knowledge could change your life. If you'll do these two things 20 years from now, you won't even imagine where God will promote you to. Amen?